spring, good morning. Or is it afternoon? <laughs> good afternoon. It's right on the dot. 12 noon. So, wow, we had a lot of fun this week. And uh, I guess it, the first fun thing started off actually last Sunday with Allison and Kevin's wedding. Woo! That was awesome. Congratulations. Let's get the beautiful couple just to stand. Can you guys stand up? Let's give them a big hand. Yeah, congrats. So, uh, when are you guys heading back across the pond? Two weeks. All right. So, stuff their pockets with money. Some send them on their way. Yep. Yeah. All right. Cool. And uh, another fun thing that happened this week, um, Wednesday, we had our summer chapel. And uh, so, you know, we start at 10 and we were in here getting ready. The worship team was getting ready and... Uh, at 10 o'clock, came and went, and there was about two people here. And uh, so, you know, we were trying not to lose our enthusiasm. But uh, we are thinking, well, you know, the Helsers camp started. A lot of kids were gone. We might not have it this week, you know, whatever. And uh, so we're just kind of hanging out. About 10, 15, 40 African Americans walked through the door and sat down in the room from Florida. We're like, wow, all right, I guess we're going to have chapel today. And... Uh, what happened was this uh, Wesley Miller back there actually, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's responsible for this, and it's a good thing though. But uh, anyway, what happened was their denomination was having a convention in an international convention in Charlotte, and so instead of renting hotel rooms, they decided they're going to rent a house, and it was in Mooresville, and it happened to be the Miller's house. So they showed up there, and uh, so Wesley, like, invades their devotional time and gets all, like, about God and stuff with them, and uh, then says, hey, uh, could you guys come to church with me in the morning? And they're like, okay, and uh, he gives them the address, and they showed up here, and it was, I mean, a lot of teenagers, but really there was, from little kids, like a two-year-old, all the way up to probably the pastor of this church was here who was probably, I don't know, in his 60s or something. And uh, we just had a Holy Ghost rip-roaring time, didn't we, Wesley? I mean, we had an absolute ball. Just jumped right into worship. I mean, we were all just having a good time. A bunch of, some other people showed up that normally come and uh, just had a blast. And uh, uh, probably about six people got healed of knee, of knee conditions. And uh, then we just, I shared a short message on uh, Acts 1 and the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you when uh, you get baptized with the Holy Spirit. We did a fire tunnel. And, uh, that was new to them, but loved it. And we just had a great, great time. And uh, it was so enthusiastic. And, and uh, they prayed for us. We prayed for them. We prayed for their pastor, uh, that, that, a, that a fresh wind of revival would sweep through their little church in Florida. And uh, so it was, it was a lot of fun. You just never know. You know, just always be prepared. Be on your A game because you never know what's coming next. And uh, so anyway, after that, at the very end, this lady uh, came up for prayer uh, to Sarah and I. And she was the mom of some MCA students at our school. And uh, last Thursday, she had come with her two teenage sons to our healing room. Both of them had some conditions that they wanted prayer for, first some of the healing rooms. And one of the boys who's going to be in the 10th grade, he had this really bad wrist. It was in this contraption thing and all that. 
And we prayed for, actually we were praying for his head because he had had ongoing concussions. And while he was praying for his, for his head, he had taken the thing off. He's like, I feel something in my wrist. And he just got completely like, the Lord healed his wrist right there in the healing rooms. So on the way out, I had happened to say to them, hey, you guys come to chapel on Wednesdays. And the mom goes, chapel? I didn't even know there was chapel this summer. And uh, I was like, yeah, you can come too. So anyway, that's how they got there. So she comes up at the end and asks Sarah and I to, to pray for her about something. And then after we are done, um, and which, you know, they attend a very large Baptist congregation in Mooresville. And uh, she said, you know what, we work with the youth at our church. And, and I want to move in power like you were preaching about when the Holy Spirit baptized you. So I want to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. We said, okay. Well, let's just do that. So she gets baptized with the Holy Ghost. Her big, her very muscular son's standing beside her, and she starts going like this. I'm like, get around behind her, go behind her, you know. And uh, she gets really touched and um, starts speaking in tongues. And, you know, the Lord's just coming on her. And uh, then, I guess it was last night, I got an email from her, and she said something about some stuff going on. She said, check out my Facebook page. So I went to her Facebook page, and she had posted on there a message by Patricia King on the power of speaking in tongues, okay? And, and then a friend of hers from high school, she hadn't seen in probably 30 years, sees this thing and starts a conversation with her about an unsafe friend. She leads this person to Christ. They get saved. They get born again through chatting with her on Facebook about this message on speaking in tongues. Come on. Woo! So, some, somebody said to me, you know, you know they're, they're probably going to end up leaving that church. And I thought, well, I sure hope not. Because the last thing we need is for people to get baptized with the Holy Ghost and leave their church, their denominational church. We need that to break out within their denominational church. You see, how many people believe that another charismatic renewal could hit America? Because most people my age and younger don't know this, but back in the 60s and 70s, a renewal hit the church, and it wasn't in churches like this. It was the Episcopalians, the Catholics, the Methodists, the Presbyterians, the Baptists began to speak with other tongues, began to believe in the gifts, began to move in healing, and things broke out in a mighty way in America, and the Jesus movement took place in the 70s, where all kinds of hippie-looking people like you know, Jim and Kathy, for example, uh, came into the kingdom and got born again. How many people would like to see that happen in our community? So in the first service, we just felt this unction on that, decided to pray it in. You guys want to just go with me? Let's just pray it in. Just believe when you pray that you've received it and you'll receive it. Do you want to share something? I don't want to pray. Because um, Kathy was sitting there as, as you were sharing that story about the you know, the secondary and tertiary effects of something that happened, you know. Those are the kind of testimonies that birthed the charismatic and Jesus movements in the 60s. You could do any little simple thing, and then all of a sudden it would have other ramifications uh, in other people's lives. You know, it began to the domino effect. So, Lord, we just want that sort of thing to burst forth again in this time. In this generation, Lord, let the seeds that are sown fall on fertile ground and let the kingdom multiply. 
Let it spread out and take root and hold in every corner of this world, Lord, in the nations, in the denominations, in every church and hamlet and town throughout this nation and across the pond in Scotland, Ireland, Wales, England, France, Germany, Argentina, Paraguay, and Chile, Lord. Let it burst forth with might and power, Lord. A new move of Your Spirit, Lord God. Let it be like breath from heaven. Thank You, Lord. Woo! Mm. Lord, I pray that You would cause us as a congregation to be a bridge. Lord, to, to not be divisive, Lord, but bring people to an understanding of the power of the Gospel. Jesus' name. You know, because here's the thing. I believe the primary, the primary evidence of a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire that John said would come with Jesus is in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus had told the disciples, wait in Jerusalem to receive this baptism. Wait until the Holy Spirit falls. You know that. And in verse 8 He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. There's been huge divisions over this issue of is it tongues, is it this, is it not tongues? What is it that is the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And just as a footnote, if you ever wonder what's the difference between like River Life and Pentecostals, for example, the Pentecostal denominations, the main difference, and this may not always be true today as it was, you know, when the Pentecostal began, but is the Pentecostal denominations believe that the evidence of a baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. We wouldn't necessarily say, I would say it's a evidence but there's many, many other things that you see in the Bible happens when somebody's baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself said, number one, you're going to receive power. Hit your neighbor and say power. Just nudge them. Don't hit them. Power. Power to heal your neighbor after you've punched them. <laughs> the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Okay? Now, uh, before church, Chuck saw this vision or got this word about pools of Bethesda. Okay, Pools of Bethesda. Did you want to share that real quick, Chuck? Uh, this morning uh, I got up and um, and I promise you when I get words from the Lord, I'm not being religious. Uh, I don't get, I'm not even, I'm getting up thinking my shoulders are hurt. Pools of Bethesda. God says to me, I'm thinking, oh, what Pools of Bethesda? Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Pool of Bethesda. And then uh, the Lord said, I am going to stir the waters of Pool of Bethesda again in the spiritual realm. And uh, he said, don't... He, he said to me, he said to me, don't get offended. Don't get offended. Don't get offended. You know, and so uh, I was sharing this morning about that. Let me tell you somebody that wouldn't get offended about the pools of Bethesda. And, beside, and by the way, I believe, somebody help me on this, the architects, uh, not the architects, what archaeologists have found where the pool of Bethesda was. 
And they're, you know, I love it when they start finding the things of the Bible. Who would, who wouldn't get, who, this is who would not give opinion. Lazarus. When God raised him from the dead, do you think God could do anything he wants? I'm not getting opinion. I'm with it. Dive in. The ones that were blind, that he spit in the dirt and made spittle and put in their eyes and he knew that. They wouldn't get offended at whatever God wanted to do. You see what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? Don't, he told me, do not let the religious spirit keep you out of what I'm fixing to do. And, and when it, when, when, let me tell you, when God started first moving in here and we, and, and people started hollering, I got offended. Now who's one of the biggest yellers? <laughs> Thank God I got over. You know. But I'm, you understand what, I, what I'm trying to tell you? The Lord is going to start stirring the waters of the pool of Bethesda again in the spiritual realm. And when He does it, whichever way He does it, whatever vehicle He uses, don't get offended. How many people did Todd Bentley offend? I said to the Lord, you know, I could listen to him on the radio all day long, but to look at him with all those tattoos and everything, I thought, man. Yeah. <laughs> How do you follow that? Hello. I'm sorry. I'm, if, I'm not trying to talk too much. This is what I think goes along with this too. I'm, the Lord's really showing me right now about not getting offended is we need to be really careful. I'm experiencing this so and I've experienced, I feel like the Lord's making me aware of that thing of be careful not to sow seeds of discord and that seeds would be even sown in you and it's like been the magnifying glass. The Lord's like put it in front of my face and I'm realizing that what can happen is you can get offended with someone or something and they never even did anything to you. They never did one thing to you. But because somebody sowed something and told you something they did or spoke bad about them, you know, to you, they never even, maybe even talked to you. You might not even know them. But because that seed, you allowed to just listen to it and, Okay, okay. And then all of a sudden, catch yourself. You'll realize you're going. And then it's like, come on. They never even talked to me, said anything to me, did anything to me. But I feel like the Lord has shown me that because that's something the enemy is trying to use right now to get us offended and messed up even with one another is that he, that we need to be careful not to sow seeds of discord into other people, not to say negative things, but also not to receive things from other people and to get offended with people or about something. And it never had anything to do with us. You see what I'm saying? I wanna, I wanna, uh, this is really going to surprise you. You know what I just told you about Todd Bentley? And how I got offended? Guess who's little girl Woo-hoo! 
God says, I'll fix it or you never fix it. It was about blowing the trumpet. I called him up and asked him, where can I get some tattoos at? I said, I'm staying at home, man. I don't know. I'm not going with Chuck to get tattoos. You never know what we come home with. Woo. Hey, I was down there at this conference last week, and uh, Jason Hooper shared with me. He goes, hey, man, i got to tell you, around Easter time, he's like, I'm serious. This doesn't normally happen, but he said, the Lord took me into like this trance. And in this trance, I was coming up I-77, and I saw a, a billboard that said, Welcome to Mooresville, home of the healing pools. He said, and as I approached y'all's building, in behind the building somewhere, there was like an above ground swimming pool. And pe- but people could come and get into it. And y'all were working at putting it in the ground. He's like, so I feel like, obviously, I mean, what does that mean? God wants to pour out more in the area of the gospel, the kingdom, and healing in your town, in your community. So uh, when he shared that, it reminded me that I wasn't even planning on sharing. I had forgotten that he told me that until Chuck said the pool of Bethesda. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. When, when Matt was killed last year, you know, the Lord shared this word with me through all that devastation of, he said about himself, the Lord said about himself, unless a kernel of wheat dies and goes into the ground, it cannot bear much fruit, Right? Now, none of us want to bury a kernel of wheat, we want it to die and put it in the ground, right? But when we put Matt in the ground, I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, it is what it is, and I claim fruit. Because that's what Matt would want. He would, he would want to say, Matthew, you take my life and you make it count. You take this gospel of the kingdom all over the world. And I'll be dad burned if I were to pass away today, somebody here better take my life and make it count. Somebody better take, like Gabe, Judah, Benjamin, you guys better take your daddy's life and take it further. You better take this gospel even further than I could take it in this time that I have here. We don't know how much time that is. And so at the beginning of the year, the Lord put on my heart, to begin to share, share a series of messages with this church about healing and divine healing. And so in January, I preached on the healing covenant. God's name is Jehovah Rapha. It's one of His covenant names. You cannot separate from the name of God from His character. It's who He is. It's what He does. It's in His very nature. The second message was on Sozo and, 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 and the, the gospel of the kingdom and how, what all that means. And then the third one, which was last time, was on the power of the Word, which I'm going to get back to this morning. But, uh, and next time, I want to talk about reasons why people don't get healed. You know, because I realize these are things that we all can get really tripped up on and, and, and held back on. And I believe that God wants to pour out on this body and in the greater, in, in our Lake Norman area. Okay, these pools of the Bethesda. I believe God's going to begin to use you guys and me not only to heal the sick, but also equip and train other believers in our community on how to practically move in this kind of kingdom power and authority. Would you be willing to do that?
If somebody said, hey, Buzz, will you come over to such and such church and do, you know, training, would you be willing to go? If somebody were to call you on the phone and say, hey, we've got this small ladies Bible study, could you come and, and talk to us about these kinds of things? You see, God is moving right now. And, uh... I believe there's going to be a anointing. There's a healing anointing. The Bible describes these times where Jesus would be in a community and it said the presence of the Lord was there to heal. Okay? It's, a, it's an atmosphere of healing. As people even enter the place, they begin to manifest healing in their bodies. Okay? And so that's why we're going after this. I want to also cover topics like the role of faith in healing. We'll get into some of that today. And then a little bit more later, Paul's thorn in the flesh, um, spiritual gifts and their role in healing, etc., etc. It's probably going to take me to the end of the year to finish this up, and I might try to put it in some written form too, just to make you know, just help equip people. Um, you can go on our website and listen to the past three messages if you want to, or if you need it on CD, just email me. I'm going to be out of town this week, but I'll burn you a copy as soon as possible just to help equip, equip us. Um, in Luke 9, Jesus calls the twelve. He gives them all authority. And He says, go out there and heal the sick. Uh, preach the gospel of the kingdom. Right? Now, first of all, you've heard this said probably, but it's interesting He didn't say, go out and pray for the sick, and if it's God's will, then some of them will get healed. Right? What did he, he said, go out there and heal the sick. Now, why is that important? Because I think it's a perspective thing. It's a whole different perspective if I say, well, as a believer, I can pray for the sick. And sometimes, you know, then to say, no, I've been called and empowered by Jesus to heal the sick. Now, go heal the sick. You understand what I'm saying? Now, in Luke 10, and she's going to put this up here in verse 1. Let's start there. Luke 10, 1, if you're following along in your Bibles. And I really think this is key. I've never seen this before. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others. Some, some versions say 72. So roughly 60 other people besides the disciples were brought, the Lord appointed them and sent them out two by two, check this out, before His face into every city and place where He Himself was about to go. And in verse 9, and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, who were these 60 other people? We don't really know, do we, Jim? For certain? They, we don't know their names. They were 60 other people hanging around with Jesus. Fairly certain of that. But they weren't the 12. They were 60 others. They were you. They were me. They were ordinary people who believed. And Jesus said, hey, you believe this? You've received something from me. Now, you want to sign up? Here comes the sign-up sheet. Okay, I want to go on this little missions trip. Okay, good. That's good enough. Your commission. Now go. And then you know what happened? They came back later, and were they excited? Oh, man. I mean, you think I'm going to get excited this morning when I start jumping up and down, excited about some testimony or something? I mean, these people came back like, Woo! Lord! 
Do you know what happened when we, I mean, we saw this happen and done it, and the Lord didn't say, now guys, you know, it's all about me, don't get off on a tangent on healing. No, He didn't say that. What did He say? Oh, dude, guys, you know what? I even saw Satan fall like lightning. You know, what was He saying there? He saw principalities and powers being broken over entire regions. You want to know how to destroy principalities and powers? Combat those principalities and powers with the opposite spirit. The spirit of love and compassion. Go pour out the Father's love through healing and the preaching of the Gospel upon communities and you're going to see principalities and powers crumble. I believe these are one of the keys. Now, in the past, in the 80s, the spiritual warfare movement was really big and you had all these you know, somber-looking Christians, you know, really vigorous, and, and there was some good stuff, okay? I'm not saying it was all bad, but I'm saying I think we've learned something as a church that that's not necessarily the only or the most effective way to pull down those principalities and powers. The most effective way is simply preach the good news. Demonstrate with your preaching the power of the gospel of the kingdom through things like healing the sick. And then Jesus said, hey guys, I know what you mean. I'm excited too because I saw this happen. Now, why would he send 72 people and then before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go? Why would he send 72 people ahead of him to go do the stuff? I don't really get that. I mean, he's God incarnate. He's Jesus. Why didn't he just walk in and be like, bring me all the sick? All the sick line up. He's like, could he do that? Did he do that at times? Probably, yeah. Yeah, he healed all that were present. Why didn't he do it? Number one, because I think he's interested in you being a part of your, his kingdom. I think he's, in, he's interested in commissioning and co-laboring with you and I in bringing the kingdom forth. Number two, I think the other reason he did that is to teach us something today. And that is, as we go forward, even before revival and awakening hits a community... As we go forward and preach the gospel of the kingdom with demonstration of power, an atmosphere shift happens. Stepping out in faith and doing the stuff begins to change some atmospheres. What do you mean by that? Well, for example, principalities and powers could get dethroned over a region. People like Jim have seen things like this happen. In whole regions. Even the very uh, amount of rainfall and stuff they receive begins to change. Whole regions begin to shift. The climate changes. What do we do about global warming? Well, maybe this is part of the answer. <laughs> Somewhat of a joke. Okay, y'all loosen up a little bit. <laughs> Shouldn't be a joke. There is a curse on the earth. But God has sent His Son... 
right, who broke the curse, went about destroying the works of the devil. Yeah, and now he's commissioned us to do likewise. He sent them ahead of himself. Now, there's a whole movement for the past 10 years of the fasted lifestyle and 24-hour prayer, which one of their main objectives is to issue in the second coming of Christ through prayer. Right? And I think that's a good thing. It's accomplished a lot. And you know what God's doing right now with that movement? Now He's sending them out. Okay, we're seeing that happen in places like Kansas City. Not only are people holed up in their prayer huts 24 hours a day, but now they're beginning to go out and do the stuff. Why? Because that is a preparation for the presence of Jesus to come into a country, into a city. Okay, right now where we're positioned is to prepare the greater Lake Norman region for a mighty outpouring of a manifestation of the person of Jesus Christ, of the Holy Spirit, of the Trinity to come here and move mightily. Okay, three people are excited. <laughs> okay, I'm still in my introduction. Alright, I'm, I'm going to finish this up here. I, I can never get it out of my introduction, Jim. You know what it's like in the last five minutes, you're like trying to hit all three points. <laughs> oh man, I guess that's for next message. But uh, somebody told me that there's a big game today, you know, I was going to have to hurry. He's probably not on board with that right now. Alright, let me just give you three keys. Very simple. How can I, here's the title of this uh, healing part four. How can I heal the sick? Very simple. Okay? How can I do it? Number one, obtain the love and compassion of the Father. In other words, get His perspective on sickness and pain. We talked about this. What caused it? Is it always God's will to heal? You know, get His perspective. How many of the sick did He heal? All. How many is all? All. All the sick? All the sick. You know, God desires to heal all the sick. Get His perspective on people who are suffering. You know, we need God's heart on that. Eight times in the New Testament, directly, it says things like in Matthew 14, 14. And when Jesus went out, He saw a great multitude, and He was moved with compassion for them, and healed their sick. Moved with compassion. The benevolent heart of God is the reason everything happens in the kingdom. The benevolent heart of God is the reason that everything happens in the kingdom. We must have God's perspective on sickness and pain. How many people here have ever been in some degree of ongoing pain? I had excruciating... I was just almost paralyzed in my bed for three days with lower back pain at one point. Byron can tell you, he came over and picked, literally picked me up off my living room floor and put me in my bed. I mean, like bedpans and the whole nine yards. It wasn't a pretty sight. I know what that feels like. Okay? And it's like, Lord, You healed me. The Lord healed me from that situation. And some ongoing back problems there. One day, Dennis DeGrasse. How many people remember Dennis DeGrasse? He came here, he's praying for backs. Electricity went down my back. Never had that kind of back pain or back problems since. You know, it's like, but I never forget it. Because once I've received that, then I go out and give it. Now, 
How many people are still battling some ongoing illness? Pain, or you've got diabetes, or you, you know, you've got some kind of illness or disease or something like that. I want to encourage you this morning. Don't let that in your body keep you from believing and praying for other sick people. You cannot let it. It's like saying, well, I can't tell people about freedom from sin because I still sin. Well, that's ridiculous. You can preach the gospel to people about salvation, regardless of whether you're still battling your flesh from time to time and losing your temper or, or you know, whatever and sinning, right? If the devil can't keep you out of hell, which you can't because you're saved here this morning, then he's going to try to keep you from keeping other people out of hell. Okay, he knows if he can freeze you by saying, well, who am I to pray for the sick? I mean, I'm still battling this pain. And, you know, if once I get healed, then I'll be able to pray for somebody else. That's not God. You know, Smith Wigglesworth is probably one of the greatest healing evangelists in the last 100, 150 years. You know, you name it, he'd go out night after night, see everything happen, including raising the dead. Would leave the meetings... And go back, I think sometimes, if I remember correctly, even in the middle of a meeting, would have to go backstage to a restroom and pass a kidney stone. After a period of time, he had a whole jar full of kidney stones. Just this ongoing thing. Did he let that limit his faith and his belief that God was a covenant God of healing? No, he stepped out there. So I just want to encourage you this morning, because I think that that's probably something that really holds people back. All right, number two, obtain the faith of God. All right, let me remind you, the faith that you and I have, how many people know it's not our faith? Let's be reminded in Galatians 2.20, everybody's favorite verse here. For you King James only people, you're going to like this, King James Version. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Everybody say, of the Son of God. Who loved me and gave Himself for me. Aren't you glad it ain't dependent on your faith? Aren't you glad it ain't dependent on my faith? How about the faith of God? Let me let you know, that's a much better faith than any little uh, measure of faith I may have. The faith of God. Let that faith just permeate you, just saturate you. Receive it by faith. That faith. Just as Abraham. Going on in Galatians, I love what, uh, who's be, quickly become one of my heroes of the preaching of the gospel, this guy named F.F. F. Bosworth. He uh, wrote this in 1924. Okay, so he was kind of like a father to the voice of healing revivalists of the 50s, um, F.F. Bosworth. And uh, this is called appropriating faith. He says, the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, tells us exactly how God works miracles. This is how he does it. This is Galatians 3, 5, in a different translation than probably what's going to be up there. He that ministers to you the Spirit, the Spirit's the miracle worker, and worketh miracles among you, Doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, 
Mofat translates this passage, when he supplies you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, is it because you do what the law commands or because you believe the gospel message? Why it's as with Abraham, he had faith. Because you believe the message. You just believe the message. In this passage, God tells us that he works miracles upon our bodies in exactly the same way as upon our souls. And that is by having us hear and believe the gospel message. In fact, God's way of doing everything is by making promises and then by fulfilling them wherever they produce faith. He says it is with us as with Abraham. How was it with Abraham? Note carefully. He simply believed the Word of God. He had faith that God would do exactly as He promised. He was fully persuaded by the Word of God alone. He held fast the beginning of his confidence when his faith was tested. He was wholly occupied with the Word of God in the matter. He refused to cast away his confidence when God, by telling him to offer Isaac, was apparently removing the visible encouragement to his faith. He considered not his own body or the fact that he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb as any barrier or any reason for doubting that Isaac would be born. These things, which according to nature made the birth of Isaac impossible, were not considered by Abraham as the slightest reason for doubting. He knew his age. He recognized the barrenness of Sarah. He weighed the difficulties, but notwithstanding the impossible, he believed God. It's powerful stuff. The faith of God. The faith, the same faith that God released Abraham to stand on for what? Almost 60 some odd years. Or longer than that. To believe God. God said it. He'll do it. Bottom line. It's interesting. Uh, Bosworth goes on to talk about in here that even, you know, if God gives you a word, He says He's going to manifest the healing. Even the physical manifestations are somewhat, not an illusion, but they're a physical manifestation, whereas the Spirit, the, uh, the, the Word that God's given you is a spiritual reality. The key is waiting for those two things to connect. And not focusing all of your attention, okay, upon the physical aspect, but upon the promises that Abraham did, that God's given you. And that brings me to number three. And I, I touched on this last time. The power of the Word. Obtain a word from Jesus. That's number three. Psalm 107.20 says this. He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Speaking of the Israelites. He sent His what? He sent His word. This was before Christ when the psalmist wrote this. Who's the word? Jesus is the word. Who brings life? The word brings life. Jesus is the word. Now, but the centurion came to Jesus and he said to him in uh, Luke 7, 7, he said, therefore I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the what? Say the word and my servant will be healed. You see, the word is such an important aspect combined with faith. Primary is love. Combined with your faith and the Word. That's why I love the Word of Knowledge so much and why it's so important. And maybe I'll teach another message on the Word of Knowledge alone. 
Because the word of knowledge is simply receiving a word from Jesus, just like the centurion said, speak the word, and then the word will bring, my servant will be healed. Jesus didn't even have to go there physically. You know, that's why many times you see people who are moving in the word of knowledge say, you know, I, the Lord's showing there's migraine headaches, there's, you know, there's a tumor in the left shoulder, you know, whatever. And many times... The word just being released in the atmosphere, the person starts being healed right at that moment. Why? Because the proceeding word of God brings life. Well, how do I do this? Just receive it by faith. If you've been training the prophetic at all, you know exactly how this works. Ask God. <laughs> Ask God, what do you do when somebody says, hey, can you give me a word? You say, well, Lord... What do you want to say to this person? And then you just try to relate what the Lord tells you. Right? How many people have done that? A word of knowledge basically works the same way. I'll never forget. I think it was the very first word that I ever gave in this church. It was probably, I don't know, two or three years ago. And, uh, and the Lord gave me like 1987 and like back pain and whiplash or something like that. And uh, so I'm like really nervous. And the Lord's like, you just go ahead and share that word. And so I get up here and I'm like, it's the end of the message. Byron has preached or something, you know. And I'm like, okay, I kind of think that maybe sort of um, there might be. But if it's not, you don't worry about it. You know, like there could be somebody here that maybe, you know, like great man of faith and power. And uh, that, you know, um, like I think I'm getting... 1987, you were in a car accident, you suffered whiplash, and you still got residual effects. But if that's not you, be blessed, y'all have a good, you know, and just like dismiss the meeting, you know, like safe. <laughs> and I was the most shocked person in the room when Cindy Martinez runs up to the front. Because that's me, that's me. I'm like, it is? Remember, see, like, we didn't even pray. Like, she just runs up here. I put my hand on her, and it's like, <sighs> just the power of God hits her. It shoots through her spine and she gets completely healed of the residual effects of that accident. You remember? I know you remember it. I was so shocked. It's like you don't even... That's, I think that's why Jesus said, go heal the sick. Because when the Word comes, it's like you don't even have to pray, really. You just release the healing. The healing will just manifest. Now one thing I like to do, and uh, I've experimented with this a little bit, is just before you go to bed at night, Ask the Lord to give you a word, like some words. Just It could be random stuff, you know. And, uh, and then ask Him also to give you dreams. Uh, sometimes He'll give you a dream of like a person that you see in this dream. And then when you're going out throughout your day, just go look for the person and see what God might want to do. I remember one time uh, I got this uh, hot pink shirt. And, and I got that and something else, and Marlon got something, so we're like, okay. And so we had uh, already planned on going to uh, Three Goats Coffee Shop and just hanging out or something, talking. And so I was over there, and I got there first before Marlon, and I walked in the door, and the lady working there had this hot pink shirt on. And I'm like, Whoa. so what do you think I did? Nothing. <laughs> This is my confession. I did absolutely nothing. You know, I did the class. Well, Lord, I don't feel led right now. She's busy. You know, she's got like 
two customers, you know, and like, I did nothing, and uh, probably an opportunity missed, you know, and said, Lord, forgive me for my disobedience, <laughs> and, you know, I actually came back the next, like, two days later to see if I could deliver the word, you know, like, Lord, your word never returns void, you know, there's no time delay, and so I came back, and she wasn't working, and, you know, so it never worked out, <laughs> but uh, we've seen some other times where these things, you know, these things do work out, but I was, you know, it's, what I love about that, too, is it makes life such an adventure, you know, such a journey and, and fun. Like I was thinking, I was going to tell Sarah, like, we could do this with the kids. You know, just make it a family adventure. Because it's being naturally supernatural. And you don't have to like, well, brother, we're going out to witness. Going to go door to door. Going to go hit the malls. You know. I mean, you can do that. Like, that's awesome and everything. But it's even better if you're just like going to work. You know, you're just going to school. And all of a sudden, there's this hot, you know, whatever the word is, it might be something really specific. It might be not specific at all. But God just releases something. And it may not be a physical healing. It may be some. How many people know that there's sickness of all kinds out there? Sickness of soul, sickness of body. That's why Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Any of these works are fair game for the gospel of the kingdom to destroy those things. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. So number one, obtain God's love and compassion, His perspective. Number two, obtain the faith of God. And number three, obtain a word from Jesus. If you're here and you're contending for your healing, again, I said this last time, I think the primary thing is ask the Lord for a word. Just like Abraham. Something you can stand on. When the symptoms persist, if they persist, and your, your, your reason to doubt or to fear or whatever, you just remind the devil, hey, I got a word, baby. You can't touch me. What can you do to my body, right, Cindy? She was just sharing with me her perspective, you know, which is just so awesome. Hey, you got to tell this. Can you share this with everybody? Tell them, what you, tell them what you told me. I just found out that the diagnosis of the cancer that I have is called bile duct cancer. One out of 200,000 people. And I'm one of the 200,000 that God has chosen to carry such a blessing of healing. Because I'm going to California on August the 20th. And I'm going to bring back such a healing anointing. And I'm that one out of 200,000. 200,000 people usually don't make it. It's either six months or less than two years. I'm going to be the one. Yeah. The one out of 200,000. I've won the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Lord. Wow, what a perspective. By his stripes, I am healed. That's our new email address. <laughs> you know, because you've got to remember something. This walk, this journey we're on is a relationship with the living God. The creator of our bodies. Okay, and if he says something, then you can take it to the bank. If he says it, right? So, you know, so many people want to like, you know, repeat and quote these scriptures and, you know, put on it. And that's good stuff. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying the primary thing and the primary, the word may come as a scripture. And that's something you can stand on. But this isn't a formula. 
Like God hasn't called us to jump through a bunch of hoops to try to get healed and like figure out the right incantation or something. You know, that's not what we have here. We have a living, breathing relationship with the living God. So just go to Him and say, Lord, give me a word. And then whatever that is, that's what you stand on. If He's already given you the word and you've doubted it or maybe you've done something contrary to it, take courage in Abraham. He did the whole Hagar sidetrack. You know, he even doubted the word and got messed up and tried to go somewhere else. And the Lord's grace and mercy was right there on him. Just stand there and it said, and he was credited as righteous. You know, as in right standing with God. Amen. Babe, did you want to share that in closing here? I just felt like the Lord has given me two specific things that I really feel like I want to pass on to you guys as things that you can really be praying. I feel like the Lord, it's almost like there were strategies that the Lord was saying. I want, this is what I specifically want you to pray over your cities, your homes, your any situation, those mountains that are ahead of you. The first thing I felt like the Lord spoke to me to be praying is supernatural breakthrough. He has been speaking to me. Just pray that supernatural breakthrough over anything because this is what while Matthew was talking I just felt like the Lord said we he wants nothing's impossible with him nothing is impossible with him and he wants us to stop looking at the impossibilities as impossible he wants us to look at those things and see his perspective and be able to declare supernatural breakthrough it's going to be past all the possibilities, all the things that line up. It's going to have to be supernatural. And the Lord wants us, though, from the heavenly places where we're seated, to start declaring over our homes, over situations, supernatural breakthrough in Jesus' name. And then the second thing that he spoke to me to be praying right now is um, from Acts four thirty-three. It says, And with great power... The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Great grace. And what the Lord was speaking to me was to pray grace, grace to those mountains. It, said, it was saying that um, just as God in His mercy saves us by His grace, so that grace is manifested in great dynamic where the Holy Spirit is, is, is at work in power. I felt like the Lord was showing me how the power of God and the grace of God is connected. You know, there really is great grace that He wants to release over those. And in Zechariah 4, this specifically happened. It's when He spoke grace, grace. It says, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Of grace, grace. So I want to pass on those, because I feel like the Lord has given those to us as strategies to pray right now, that he really wants to remove those obstacles ahead of us into really walking in to all the promises and power and really seeing the impossibilities become possibilities. 
Do you see what I'm saying? So I want to give you that, that we really need to be proclaiming just as we're walking throughout our days, as we're thinking about things, proclaim supernatural breakthrough, Lord. We are asking you for supernatural breakthrough in this area of healing, finances, just situations that you need the the mountain to be moved so that you can get on into what you're supposed to be doing and, and speak grace, grace. We say grace, grace to those mountains. So let's all stand together here. Yeah. From that scripture where it says that capstone was set as we spoke, as he spoke grace, grace to it. So Lord, we just thank you that we are sons and daughters of the living God. That we are your sons and we are your daughters. And we are not beggars. Lord God, but that we are seated in heavenly places with you, Lord Jesus. And we just right now join with heaven and just proclaim from that place, we proclaim grace, grace to the mountains in front of us. Any of those mountains that are standing in front of what you have, Lord God, we speak grace, 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 grace. Grace, and Lord, I ask you that you would, from heaven, supernaturally release your grace and that there would be a supernatural breakthrough and that there would be a shift that would come even now, Lord, that there would be a shift in the atmosphere. We speak, we speak those things right now into the atmosphere over our homes, into the atmosphere over our jobs, into the atmosphere over our families, Lord God, we speak supernatural breakthrough. Lord, I am calling forth for those impossibilities to bow low and to become possibilities and that we would see great grace at work in our lives, Lord God, that we would see your goodness in the land of the living. Lord, we ask you to release power, your power, your power, your wonder-working power into our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want the uh, healing rooms team to come on up here. If you're a part of that team, I just want to pray.